turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And as you're finding that, if you're able to join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, uh, please do so. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And we're going to read verses 9 through verse number 13. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 9 through 13, the Word of God says this, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with, me, with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychius have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the time we've had together thus far. God, I pray that you would help us as we focus our attention now to your word and your will for our lives. Help us, Lord, to have an open heart and a willingness to uh, not just hear, but to do the Word of God. And we pray that you would help all of our hearts to be the good ground for your Word to fall upon today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The story is told that at the uh, beginning of a new year, a high school principal decided to post his Teachers' New Year's resolutions on the bulletin board. As the teachers gathered around the bulletin board, a great commotion started to brew. One of the teachers started to complain, Why weren't my resolutions posted? She was throwing such a temper tantrum that the principal hurried to his office to see if he had overlooked her resolutions and failed to put them on the board. Well, sure enough, he had misplaced them on the desk, and there they were. As he read her resolutions, he was astounded. This teacher's first resolution was not to let little things upset her in the new year. And here she was, throwing a temper tantrum about the fact that her resolutions were not on the bulletin board. Or how about this one? A son, uh, uh, a grown son, called his parents to wish them a happy new year, and when his da dad answered the phone, he asked his dad, well, dad, what's your new year's resolution? His dad replied, well, to make your mother as happy as I can all year long. When his mom got on the phone, he asked her the same exact question, mom, what's your new year's resolution? And his mom replied, well, my re resolution is to see that your dad keeps his New Year resolution. <laughs> see, it's at this time of year that many people make resolutions. And, and while it is good and healthy to do so, I want to encourage everyone here today to implement some priorities in our lives that will lead to biblical prosperity. And, and God does desire prosperity in our lives. That doesn't mean that it's guaranteed. Uh, certainly, many times, God does take us through times of uh, trial and tribulation and suffering. But overall, I think God's desire is that we would prosper. And, and sometimes He allows some difficult times in our lives so that ultimately we would prosper biblically. 
Third um, John, uh, verse number 2, uh, you don't have to turn over there, but uh, the Apostle John is writing this to uh, his dearly beloved brother in the Lord named Gaius. And he says this, he said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. So John desired that Gaius would have really prosperity in every area of his life. But in order to prosper biblically, there must be the right priorities. Let me say that again. In order to prosper biblically, there must be the right priorities in our lives. Now here in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, at the end of Paul's life, we get a glimpse of what was really important and valuable to the Apostle Paul. We see his priorities. And while Paul was definitely not perfect, and he'd be the first one to say, I'm not. In fact, he called himself the chief of sinners. Um, he still is a wonderful example of someone who was committed to Jesus Christ and someone who had the right priorities. And so this morning we're going to look at three priorities for true biblical prosperity from 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And, and uh, these will be in order from least important to most important. All right? So we're going to go from least important to most important as we go through this message today. So let's first look first of all at uh, the first priority, which is physical wellness. Physical wellness. This ought to be a priority in every one of our lives, but we all obviously need to uh, make sure that it is not the only priority or the, even the top priority. But here in verse number 13, notice this, Paul, who was in prison, wrote this, The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. See, Paul was concerned about his physical well-being while in prison. He wanted his cloak. Why? Well, because he was in prison, and those prisons didn't have like a little thermostat on the wall that you can go and just like, let's get in a little nippy in here. Let's, let's bump up the, the temp. And no can do in those prisons. And not only was it already cold, but he knew that winter was coming. If you look in verse number 21 of this chapter, he says, uh, by the way, do thy diligence to come before winter. If you don't mind coming with that cloak, because winter's coming and it's going to get cold in that prison, I would really like to have that cloak. I would really like to have some warmth. Um, I was reading about uh, William Tyndale as well, and he was also in, a, in prison during the winter, and he too requested from his prison cell that his heavy coat would be brought to him. And I know most of you ladies think, you know, here at Cornerstone Baptist Church in one of our services. You can totally relate with the Apostle Paul. Please bring my cloak. It is cold in this prison called Cornerstone Baptist Church. Um, now here, look, it's, it's, it's not wrong to be concerned about your physical wellness. In fact, it is healthy and right to do so. Why? Because God has given us only one body. Uh, in which uh, to serve the Lord, uh, one vehicle in which to do so. And in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul reminds the church there that our bodies aren't just some just 
insignificant thing. Uh, no, he reminds them that they, the, body are, the bodies of believers are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so we are to be a good steward of that temple, of the body that God has given us. We are to take care of it. The Bible mentions a few ways we can steward our bodies. Uh, we can steward our bodies through our diet, through what comes in, what we consume. And I know we are kind of still in the holidays. Today's still New Year's Day, and diets start on January 2nd, don't they? Um, or the tomorrow diet, everybody has that one. I'm going to start tomorrow. Um, but obviously, God is very concerned about what, what we eat. In fact, there are tremendous, in the Old Testament, a tremendous list of dietary laws. Now, in the New Testament, those have been done away with. Praise the Lord. We can eat shrimp and bacon. Come on. Um, but... Uh, but obviously there's some principles in the Old Testament about the amount of food that we eat. And uh, I know, I know. Don't worry, I, this is going to be a short part of the sermon, I promise. Um, but look, we are to steward our bodies because we only have one in which to serve the Lord. And this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we do need to be careful. And uh, I, I remember when I first started here at Cornerstone Baptist Church, uh, my, my daughter came to me one day and she's like, Daddy, it looks like you're starting to develop a pastor belly. And I was like, hey, don't be looking at my belly. <laughs> and uh, yes, I know, it, it's, it's, it's there. Um, and look, I'm not saying all of us need to look like, you know, this ripped, um, perfect uh, specimen of humanity. Uh, but we do need to be healthy because God has something for each and every one of us to accomplish. And it's going to be very difficult um, if we're not in good health to be able to do that. Now, I realize that sometimes God allows some health issues in our lives, like he did with the Apostle Paul, the thorn in his flesh, that perhaps limited him from some of the things he could do. But, um, but we, we ought to at least stew. It shouldn't be our fault that we are dealing with health issues. Um, so we can steward our bodies through diet, and we can also steward our bodies through exercise. Oh, can we move on? Well, uh, if your your Bible's open to Second Timothy chapter four, if you go back to uh, chapter or First Timothy, just a couple pages probably in your Bible, First Timothy chapter four, and look in verse number seven, it says, "But refuse." Uh, vain, I'm sorry, profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And then Paul mentions here, for bodily exercise profiteth. And we'll stop there for a second. Bodily exercise does profit. Okay, the next word obviously is important. It profiteth little, but it does profit. It is good for us to keep the body moving. Um, I've heard the uh, expression motion is lotion. Uh, use it or lose it. And it is important for us to uh, keep our body in good working order. I was telling Aunt Jeannie this this morning. She was saying that she's kind of struggling today a little bit. She's like, it's not fun getting old. And, and, and I said, well, I'm, I'm with you. Because here's what happened. This week, uh, I took my family shopping over to the outlet malls in Oklahoma City. And uh, we were about done, and 
we were trying to meet, um, it was me, Luke, and Mark, and we were trying to meet Faith and Julie at the vehicle. And so um, we were kind of far away, and, and Luke's like, hey, do you want to run to the car? And I'm like, sure. And, and then he, we kind of said, okay, last one there is a rotten egg, you know, that type of a thing. And so we all start running, and I'm, I'm running at my dead level fastest. And, and Luke looks over me, and he sees my strain, and he's like, are you seriously running as fast as you can right now? <laughs> like, no. I totally lied to him, okay? <laughs> I did not want to admit that I am getting old and slow, but it's happening. And, and look, I know people my own age, uh, my age are way faster than I am because they work at it. They exercise. They try. But obviously, we need to uh, be careful here and not let this become the idol of our life and where we spend all our waking time thinking about our bodies and thinking about you know, how we can make our bodies better. You know, to a point, look, as much as you try, as much, all the good that you can do, your body's still going to die. Yeah, I was listening to a story about uh, Wayne Gretzky uh, recently, and he, he was the greatest hockey player to ever play the game. I mean, holds so many records, and his name has come up in the, in the news again because uh, Alexander Ovechkin, who plays for the Washington Capitals, is now chasing him for the most goals in a career. He's still got quite a ways to go, but he is getting there. Anyway, Wayne Gretzky, who is the greatest hockey player to ever play the game, holds so many records. He, after his career, one day went to the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. And uh, he took his son there, and he, he didn't want everybody to notice him, so he kind of had his hat on, and he told his son, hey, don't, don't make a big deal about the fact we're here. Let's just go and enjoy it. He said it was great to um, just walk around and see all that. Well, they had an interactive... Uh, interactive uh, place where they can shoot the puck into this net. And uh, so uh, the son did it, and, you know, he made like four out of five shots. And, uh, and then Wayne Gretzky takes the, takes the stick, and then he, he shoots, and he misses the first one. He misses the next one. He misses the third one. And then he said, and, and, and about that time, one of, the, uh, one of the young men that was working at the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame goes, uh, sir, if you just take your hand and put it down a little lower, you, you might get a... <laughs> And here's the greatest hockey player to ever play the game is like, thank you for the help there, young man. You know, <laughs> Look, even in all of us, uh, our, our bodies are going to break down eventually, right? And so we can't make, can't make this the major emphasis of our life, but it is important for us to uh, be concerned with our physical well wellness. We can do so through diet, through exercise, through getting rest, proper rest. Um, now, uh, our body shouldn't be our God, obviously, but we should take care of it. Our bodies are wonderful servants, but terrible masters. Let's be sure to keep this in check, to keep it in balance, to be a good steward, but not allowing it to become idolatry. Because the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, in verse 24, For all flesh is as grass... And all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. So as good as my body is, is right now, one day it's going to fade, fade away. And basically we can boil down uh, this thought here to the verse, 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. 
So the first priority for prosperity is physical wellness. And Paul was concerned about his comfort um, but, uh, and, and his physical wellness, but that wasn't the main priority or only priority that he had. He, did, he was concerned about it, but it wasn't the only one. What's his next one? Well, personal development is the next one. If you pick it up back in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, please bring with you because it's going to get cold here in the winter. And then he says, though, and the books, and the books. So Paul wanted uh, Timothy to bring his, his coat, but also the books. The books were uh, probably some books that he uh, enjoyed reading and, and learned from earlier on in his life. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly which books they were, but he wanted the books. He wanted to keep learning. He wanted to keep growing. He wanted to keep reading. And, and, and here's, here's the deal. If the Apostle Paul, who was so learned and so educated, wanted to continue developing personally, even as he knew his time was coming to an end, Paul knew that, hey, his days were numbered. And in chapter number four, if you look back in verse number six, he says, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. He said, look, this that my days are numbered here. I, I'm not going to be here much longer, but I still want to learn. I still want to grow. I still want to keep uh, developing it, to be a better uh, person for the Lord Jesus Christ, to be a better tool and vessel for His glory. And look, if He was willing to do that, we should as well. We should never get to the point where we're like, okay, like I'm going to retire from learning. None of us should ever do that. You may retire from working at a particular place, but, but we should never retire from learning and growing and developing into being a, a better person for God's glory. And the Apostle Paul desired that with this, uh, the, these three words, and the books. Bring those books. I want to keep learning. I want to keep growing. Now, most of us have several roles that we have in life, um, different uh, positions that we hold in life. For instance, me. I am, first of all, first role and most important role that I have is I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. Um, and this, of course, is the most important role that I have. But I'm also a husband to Julie Johnson. I'm also a father. I am what they affectionately call me as daddy to Seth, Luke, Faith, and Mark. I'm a son. I'm an uncle. I'm a son-in-law. I'm also the pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Church. I'm a friend. I'm a business owner. All of these roles, let me ask you, is it healthy and right for me to develop these roles and to grow in these areas of my life? I think it is very healthy. And God does want me to grow in this area. I, I think the Lord wants me to be a better husband at the end of 2023 than I am right now. My wife said... Amen. <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think God wants me to be a better dad, a daddy to my four children than I am right now at the end of this year. See, you, God wants me to be a better pastor, and I ought to desire to grow in all these roles in my life. And, and the Apostle Paul, he wanted to keep growing and developing. And, and as we look into this, this year, 
maybe take an inventory of the different roles that you have in this life. And how could I grow and develop to be a better spouse, to be a better parent, to be a better child, to be a better brother, to be a better sister, to be a better uh, church member, to uh, just develop in the different areas that God has given me. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2, Paul said, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And look, God has given you these roles, and He requires faithfulness in every one of those roles. Say, well, wait a minute, I just work at whatever place. That's not that important. Well, number one, come back tonight. We'll learn a little bit more about that. But then number two, look, God wants you to be faithful in whatever role He has given you. And let's take inventory of these roles and, and develop and grow in each of them. Colossians 1 and verse number 10, Paul prayed for the church. Paul's prayer request for the church there at Colossae was that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And notice this, being fruitful in every good work. So that means I'm a brother to my brother Mike in California. Uh, I want to, God, God's will is that I would be fruitful unto every good work, including being a brother to my brother, including being a pastor here. He wants me to be fruitful here. He wants me to be fruitful as a husband, as a, a dad, as a friend, as a, a business owner, whatever the case may be. Let's desire to grow personally this year in every area of our lives. It's good and healthy to grow in every role that God has given to us. Um, and Paul desired to read books that would help him with that. And there are some good books out there that can help you with that. I do want to throw out a warning, though, that the books that you read, be sure to filter everything through the truth of God's Word. Because there's a lot of nonsense out there as you read books about personal development. Uh, there, there's a lot of nonsense. And make sure that everything is filtered through the Word of God. But he desired to personally develop, even in his fourth quarter, and really he was coming down to the end of the fourth quarter, and he knew it, but he still wanted to grow. He still wanted to learn. He still had a desire to do that. So, okay, so Paul had the priority of personal development. And, and while these two priorities, physical wellness and personal development, are important, they're still not the major emphasis of Paul's priorities. Remember, we're going from least important to most important. Physical wellness, that's important. Personal development, I would say that's more important. But this third one is the most important, and that is the passion for God. In verse number 13, we see his passion for God mentioned here. He says, The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. And the books, I want to I develop personally still. But then he says, But especially the parchments. And we know that Paul had a passion for God. I mean, he wrote in the book of Philippians, uh, chapter number 3 and verse number 10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Paul's passion was to know God and to make him known. That was his passion. He loved the Lord. He was so thankful for what God did in his life and saving him and forgiving him of the horrible atrocities that he committed before his salvation. He was so grateful for the love and the grace of God that he wanted to know him and make him known and serve him for the rest of his days, and he did. 
We see Paul's passion for God in three areas in this passage. First, we see uh, his passion for God in his passion for the Word of God. I already mentioned here in verse number 13, when you're coming, bring the cloak, the books, but especially the parchments. And the parchments is a reference to the Scriptures. Because in those days, the Old Testament was written on the parchment paper. And so he said, bring the parchments, bring the Word of God, bring the Scriptures. I want the Bible in my life. If I don't have the cloak, if I don't have the books, so be it. But don't forget to bring the Scriptures. I want the Bible in my life. It is said when the famous missionary Dr. David Livingston started his journey across Africa, he had 73 books uh, in three different packs weighing 180 pounds. After his entourage had gone 300 miles, Livingston realized that he needed to throw away some of those books because it was causing so much fatigue of those carrying his baggage. And so as he continued on his journey, his library grew less and less until he had but one book left, which was the Bible. Because he said, look, I would like to have these other books, but if we need to get rid of them all except for one, I'm keeping this one. And look, you can have some books on, you know, developing all these things uh, that we just talked about, but... Honestly, this is the book that we need the most. And if we're not reading this one and only reading the other ones, friend, our priorities are wrong. Once again, I said we're going from least to most important. This needs to be the area that we care about the most. Now, Paul wasn't the only one in the Word of God to be passionate about the Word of God. I think of the man by the name of Job. He was passionate about the Scriptures as well. Job 23 and verse 12, here's what Job said, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He said, I value this book more than I value breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and all the snacks and desserts. Besides, I value this more than all of that. Now, I would just submit to you, I would dare say that most of us are pretty faithful when it comes to eating. You probably make sure that you eat at least once a day. And some of you would say, I never miss, not one day. I am so faithful when it comes to eating. Some of you even eat three times a day. Some of you eat more than three times a day. And I'm looking at you teenagers, especially the teenagers in my house. We're pretty faithful to make sure we get food. But Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job said, hey, more important than all the food there is, is making sure that I'm consuming the Word of God. I'm allowing the Word of God to come in me on a regular basis. Remember Jesus said when you pray, one of the things we're supposed to pray is give us this day our weekly bread. I'll open the Bible when the pastor says open your Bible too. 
No, it's our daily bread. It should be something that we're continually, regularly consuming in our life. Man shall not live by bread alone, Jesus said, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let's make sure that we love the Scriptures enough to be faithful in the Scriptures. I, I believe David was the one who wrote Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. And what it's known for is all the verses, except for maybe two, all refer to the Word of God. And several times in there, the psalmist, I think David in this case, uh, expresses his love and appreciation and, and passion for the Word of God. Here's some examples. Psalm 119, verse 47. The psalmist said, I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Verse 48 says, My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 113, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Verse 119, Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love thy testimonies. Verse 127, Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Do we love God's word more than we love money? That's what the psalmist said. Verse 140, Thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. Verse 159, Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. Verse 163, I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. And then verse 167, he says, My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. See, David loved the Word of God. My question to you is, do you? If we're going to have a prosperous year ahead, uh, biblically speaking, we're going to need to have a passion for the Word of God. Uh, there's men in the past who founded our nation who also had a tremendous passion for the Word of God. I want to read uh, a few quotes here. John Adams, the second president of the United States, in a letter written to Thomas Jefferson, said this, I have examined all religions, and the result is that the Bible is the best book in the world. Patrick Henry, general in the Continental Army, ratifier of the U.S. Constitution and governor of Virginia, and author of the famous Give Me Liberty or, or Give Me Death speech, he said this, The Bible is a book worth more than all the other books that were ever printed. John Jay, who was Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court, governor of New York, he wrote the following to his oldest son, Peter. He said, the Bible is the best of all books, for it is the Word of God and teaches us the way to be happy in this world and in the next. Continue, therefore, to read it and to regulate your life by its precepts. George Washington Carver said, the secret of my success, it is simple. It is found in the Bible. And then Thomas Stonewall Jackson who was professor at the Virginia Military Institute, his Civil War general, and in a letter to his sister Laura wrote this, I throw myself on the protection of him whose law, whose law book is the wonderful Bible. My dear sister, he says, I would not part with this book for countless universes. 
I feel ready to make every sacrifice to carry out the will of Him who so loved us as to give His only begotten, begotten Son to die for me. He said, look, this thing is more valuable than a countless universes. May, may, may the Word of God be that precious to each and every one of us. See, these men understood the value and importance of the Scripture in their life. You compare that with this story. What about a door-to-door salesman from a publishing house trying to sell Bibles? He came to a door, and a lady answered the door, and he asked that lady if she owned a copy of the Bible. Oh, I certainly do, she replied with some pride. To his next question, did she read it regularly? She responded, oh, yes, I do. And then she proceeded to send her little daughter to get the Bible from the table drawer. As she showed it to the salesman, her reading glasses fell from between the pages. And without thinking, she exclaimed, Oh, here are my glasses. I've been looking for these for three years. (laughs) Whoops. Oh, friend, look, the Bible, this book right here, is the inspired Word of God. It is totally perfect. It has no errors. It is completely pure. According to 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, it is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Bible is so very valuable and precious. May it be valuable and precious enough to each one of us to read it. I do want to encourage everybody to read your Bible every day this year. I'd encourage many of you to read through the Bible this year, but at the very least, take some time every day to be in God's Word. Remember, give us this day our daily bread. We, we need to be in this book on a daily basis. May it be precious and valuable enough so that we read it, so that we study it and learn it. Don't just go, well, I read it and kind of check it off my list. Let's learn what it says so that we know how to live I know that there's some things there in history that, you know, it records what what happened back in the Old Testament days, and it's kind of like, for some people, yawn. But I'm telling you, there's some principles in what happened in history that we can apply to our lives right here and now. And so it's not just yawn, oh, that's so archaic. No, hey, as you all know, history uh, repeats itself, and if we're not careful... And we'll repeat some of the mistakes that the uh, nation of Israel made as well. So, uh, let it be valuable and precious enough to read it, to study it, to memorize it, to hide the Word of God in our hearts, to meditate upon it, to think on it, and most of all, to live it. The Bible does no good unless we apply it to our life and we live it on out. So, Paul had a passion for God, and we see that because of his passion for the Word of God. Secondly, we also see his passion for God in the fact that he had a passion for the people of God. 2 Timothy 4 and verses 9 through 12 here. Um, Here Paul says, hey, Timothy, would you do thy diligence to come shortly unto me? I, I I need some company. I need someone to fellowship with. Because, look, Demas hath forsaken me. Cretans, he went to Galatia. He, Titus, he went to Dalmatia. And only Luke is with me. 
And I thought about a little joke against our son Luke on this one. Um, you know, I would want other people to come with me if only Luke was with me as well. Anyway, um, he's like, ha, 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 ha. So funny, Dad. Um, but here's, here's the deal. Um, he wanted, in verse 11, he wanted Mark to come as well. He wanted Tychius. Um, well, he, he said, in Tychius, have I sent to Ephesus? He wanted Timothy to come and Mark to come because he loved the people of God. And at the, in this chapter alone, in chapter number 4, Paul mentions 17 people by name. You look at the different people he mentions, and that doesn't even include Timothy, who he's writing to. He also mentions, in, at the end of verse 21, um, he mentions all the brethren. He wants to greet all the brethren. He, he, in other words, look, he loved the people of God. People of God were not a bother to him. He loved them. And uh, there were some who he was disappointed in. Demas, I'm sure, was one. And Alexander in verse 14, he was not a big fan of Alexander. But for the most part, he was, when it came to the people of God, he loved them. And he wanted to send uh, greetings and salutations to them. To verse 19, to salute Prissa and Aquila and the household of Anesiphorus. Um, and, and, and he wants to greet Abulus and in verse 21, and Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren. He, he loved the people of God. Now, many folks sadly relate with the words of Frederick the Great when he said this, the more I get to know people, the more I love my dog. <laughs> and that's not true for me. I do not love my dog. <laughs> Contrary to what you may hear from my children, um, I tolerate my dog, and there's times when she's okay. Um, but a lot of people are like, you know what, I'm okay to just be by myself. I'm okay to be a little island. I'm okay to be reclusive. I'm okay, I just, I'm not, I'm not a people person. Well, look, God created each and every one of us with a need for fellowship. I was reading this morning from, I started in Genesis this morning. Genesis chapter 1, but in, in Genesis chapter number 2, when, when God created Adam, here's what he said. God said that it is not good that man should be alone. So I'm going to make a help meet for him. Look, he created us with a need for fellowship, with a fellowship with him, yes, but also with one another. In Colossians chapter 3, in verse 15, the Bible says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. So if you're a believer here today, you are been called to be a part of a local body, which is called the local church. You're called to be part of this body. You could say, well, I don't need to be a part of this church. Okay, well, the fact is you've been called to be a part of this church. Okay, um, you've been called to be part of a body, and I was thinking about this. I mean, if I were to take, a, if I were to get a sawzall, and this would be kind of gross, and this would wake everybody up this morning from staying up all night last night to welcome in the new year. But if I had a sawzall and I took off my, and I used that to to sever my thumb from my hand, because my thumb doesn't think, well, I don't need the rest of that body. I I'm pretty powerful, man. I'm the strongest finger. There is, and I don't know if that's accurate or not. I think it is. But I don't really need the rest of the hand. I don't really need the rest of the body. I can do just fine on my own. 
Well, what's going to happen to that thumb? It's going to end up withering away. It's going to, it's going to die. It needs to be part of the thumb or part of the body if it's, going to, if it's going to be effective. And you and I, if we're going to be effective for the Lord, we've got to be connected to one another. We've got to be connected to the body. And so, so here's the deal. When it comes to um, being in church, don't, don't just think, well, hey, um, I, don't, I don't really need the fellowship with everybody else. I don't really need the encouragement from everybody else. I'm doing just fine on my own. Okay? That may be true, although I doubt it, because all of us need encouragement from time to time. But here's the deal. Someone else may need your encouragement. Someone else may need you to come in and give them a word of uh, encouragement and a nice smile and a, and a hearty handshake and a, hey, good to see you, my friend. Somebody else may need to receive that from you. So instead of just going, hey, look, I don't need it, someone else may. And so don't think I don't need to be part of the body. Yes, you do. Be faithful to the services and let God use you to be a blessing to a brother or sister in need with a smile and a friendly handshake. Paul was, he was passionate about God. We know that because he, he loved and cared for the people of God. And, and may the Lord help us all here at Cornerstone Baptist Church to really understand that, hey, we need the encouragement, but we also need to give the encouragement. And, and, and this year, I want to encourage all of our church family to come, not just, well, what's in it for me? But how can I be a blessing to so-and-so? I'm going to look for somebody who needs a, a word of encouragement, and I want to just be a blessing to, to the people in our church. Come with that mentality instead of, hope the service isn't too long today. Okay? The more you say it, the longer it gets. Okay? <laughs> just kidding. Let, let, let me wrap this up. Speaking of, let me wrap this up. The, the, third, uh, the third, third thing that Paul was so passionate about here that uh, shows us his passion for God is the fact that he was passionate about the ministry of God. In verse number 11, I like this, only Luke is with me. And uh, I've, I've had many days where only Luke was with me, and I can relate there, Paul. Um, Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Now, this is, to really understand the context here, I'm just going to do a super quick background. Uh, remember that during the first missionary journey that Paul took, he, took, he went with uh, Barnabas, and John Mark went with him too. And for some reason, during that trip, Mark had enough. And he bailed and went back home to mommy. He literally went back to Jerusalem where mommy was. And he was like, this missionary stuff is a little difficult. I'm out of here. I'm going back to mommy. Because, you know, she does my laundry. And she makes me food that I like. Well, later on, Barnabas wanted to bring Mark with them on a future missions trip. And Paul was there and he was like, survey says, eh, not going to happen. I do not want a quitter on my team. He's proven to be a quitter. We're not going to have him do this again. So, no, we're not going to take Mark with, with us. And Barnabas was like, well, he's my nephew. Uh, I feel an obligation to give him a second chance. And Paul's like, nope. Uh, once a quitter, always a quitter. And uh, we're not going to do it. 
And the Bible says the contention between them was so sharp that they ended up parting ways, and we never really hear from Barnabas or about Barnabas again. The Bible kind of just follows the Apostle Paul the rest of the way. Well, back to 2 Timothy chapter, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 here. Evidently, uh, Mark had made some real progress in his life, so much so that Paul took notice. And now he says, take Mark and bring him with thee, because he's now profitable to me for the ministry. And I'm thankful for um, the growth that can take place in each of our hearts, because I've been a Mark at times. I've made some mistakes along the way, but I'm thankful for God's grace and and the fact that I can still be profitable to the Lord for the ministry. But here, Apostle Paul, at any rate, it's obvious that Paul still had in his mind that the work of God is important, the ministry of God needs to continue, even though he was about ready to depart from this life. He was still caring deeply about the ministry of God. He made it a priority in his life. It's what he spent his life doing. He literally put his blood, sweat, and tears into the ministry. Now, look, I'm not saying God's calling you to be the next Apostle Paul because that role has already been fulfilled. God is still desiring that his people would serve him in the ministry of the local church. He wants every member to be a minister, he still wants every saint to be a servant. And so this year, let's get passionate about the ministry of God. I'm not saying to the neglect of your family. I'm not saying that we need to, you know, quit our job and just come down here at the church and and work here every day. I'm not saying that. I'm saying find a place that you can serve and, and be passionate about it. Let's look for ways to serve and be involved in the work of God here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. Maybe it's an official capacity. Maybe it's something that's flying under the radar and you're just doing for the Lord's sake. Do it. Why? Because, friend, there is still a call that comes ringing over the restless waves to send the light, to send the light. Because there are still souls to rescue and there are still souls to save. We need to continue sending the light to sending the light. Paul had a passion for God. We see it in his passion for the Word of God for the people of God and his passion for the ministry of God. So three priorities for prosperity, but, but there's one more priority that's not on your outline that I want to mention today, and that's for anyone here who's not yet a Christian. That priority is for you to get saved, to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to be born again. To repent and believe the gospel, which is the, 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 the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin in Bethlehem's manger, and that he lived a perfect and sinless life, and that he was crucified on an old rugged cross, and then, and then buried in a borrowed tomb, and then three days later rose from the dead. That's the gospel. Friend, can I encourage you to place your faith in the one who died for you and rose again? Because, look, our life is a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. It's like the Aquanet hairspray that I bought when I was a teenager because, let's face it, I have no need for hairspray at the moment. Um, But back in the day, I bought that Aquanet hairspray, and I would spray it on my beautiful, wavy, curly hair. And you would see the mist of that hairspray in a moment, but then the next moment, it faded away. That's our life, ladies and gentlemen. 
Our life is right now appearing, but soon enough it's going to vanish. We need to be ready. Someone once correctly said this, you're not really ready to live until you're ready to die. So my friend, are you ready to die? Are you ready to meet, meet your maker? So your number one priority right now is not any of these. It's making sure that you are, your sins are forgiven and that you are a child of God and that you're on your way to heaven. But for those of us who have been saved, I would dare say that everybody here desires that this year would be prosperous. I don't think anyone wants to be like, I want this to be a horrible year. No, we all want it to be good. That's only going to be so if we have the right priorities in our life. Let's have the priority of physical wellness, personal development, and a passion for God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity on this first Sunday, the first day of the year, to gather together as your people, to be encouraged to have priorities that lead to biblical prosperity. And God, I pray most of all, if there's one here today that has never trusted Christ as their Savior, never believed the gospel, I pray, Lord, that they would understand their top priority right now is to repent and believe and to get saved and to be born again. And I pray, Lord, you'd give them the courage to do, make that decision. And then, Lord, for those of us who have, I pray, Lord, you'd help us to implement the same priorities here that Paul had. The priority of physical wellness, personal development, but most of all, a passion for you. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to implement these, and may it be true not just the first day of the year, but throughout the year and really throughout our life. 